Amen. So I'd like you to imagine, if you will, that you're, you're marooned on a little island in the middle of the ocean. Okay, can you imagine that? And um, you're waiting for someone to rescue you. And you're kind of chilling there, I don't know, having a little swim, eating some coconuts, waiting to be rescued. And then you hear this sound far away. And you're like, what is that? And as it gets closer and closer, you hear it before you see it. You start to realize that it's a, a rescue helicopter, a Chinook helicopter coming to rescue you. So you hear it first, and it's far away and indistinct. And then it gets closer and closer, and you hear it more and more clearly. And then you see it coming over the horizon, and your hope is growing and growing. And you build your bonfire, and then it lands and it rescues you. Okay, And um, we all live happily ever after. And when you're in the Bible, when you're reading like the Old Testament, you start to, you hear it before you see it, but you start to get this sense that the rescuer is coming. So through the Old Testament, you start to get these, you hear the sound, and then you start to, it starts to get clearer, and then you get these little glimpses, and he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, Jesus is coming. The life group that we did this term we were doing, we did some stories through the Bible. We started in Genesis. We would do a story and then just chat about it together. And then the next story and then the next story. And the guys in the group are going, when are we going to get to Jesus? And we're like, don't worry, he's coming. He's coming. And then a couple of weeks ago, we did the Christmas story. And everyone was really excited. They were like, oh, finally, he's come. You know, we've been waiting and waiting. And um, what happens when you read the Old Testament is exactly that. It's kind of pointing forward to Jesus, giving little clues and what I want to do, we ended up with a spare Sunday somehow in our planning. That's why we need to employ someone to do planning, I think. Um, and so we've done a term of looking at Daniel. And what I wanted to do today was to kind of get us from Daniel to Christmas. So from Daniel to Noel, if you like or don't like. Um, but what I want to do is just kind of just look back over this book of Daniel that was written several hundred years published and circulated several hundred years before the birth of Jesus, and just pull some things out that we've seen as we've been doing this together over this term, and just kind of summarize them and go, in all these different ways, we hear the sound of Jesus coming. We see a little glimpse of Jesus coming, and all these bits of Daniel point forward to the birth of Jesus Christ, the saving of the world, the fulfillment of all prophecy. Amen? Amen? People are like, oh, man. Okay, so I feel quite excited, but that's, you know, I've been kind of sitting in this all week, and um, let's pray, and then we're going to look at the Bible, just look at some pictures of Jesus, and see how that's fulfilled for us, and what difference he makes in our lives. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your presence here with us today, speaking to us in, in the worship time, through the testimonies. We thank you, you're alive, you're working, you do beautiful things, and you make things beautiful. And um, we pray, come Holy Spirit, be our teacher. As Kat was singing earlier, open our hearts, open our hearts, open our hearts, we pray. Let us see Jesus, let us hear the sound of him coming. Um, make this Christmas meaningful to us this year, because we see Jesus more clearly. Amen. Amen. So, number one, we're going to do seven of these, okay? Number one, Christ is the stone in Daniel chapter 2. So, I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. Daniel 2, 44. 
And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut out from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. So do you remember in Daniel chapter 2, there was a dream that the king saw, and there was different kingdoms, different empires, and then he saw this tiny little stone being carved out by human hands. And this little, innocent, cute-looking stone then smashes the feet of one of the statues. And it goes around smashing statues, and it grows bigger and bigger, and it becomes a mountain that fills the whole world. And Jesus is that stone. When he's born, he's born as a little baby, and everyone looks and goes, oh, isn't he cute? What they don't realize is that he's come to smash pretenders and usurpers and all other authorities and powers that set themselves up against the kingdom and the empire of Jesus. So he comes as a little stone, but then he starts to smash things down and he starts to grow and grow until he fills the whole world with his authority and with his kingdom. That's Jesus. And, and, and that's actually what happens in our lives. I don't know if you realize that. When you receive Jesus... You receive a little word, like a seed, the gospel. This little thing comes into your life. And you say, yeah, I love, I love that gospel. I, 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 I turn away from everything I've done wrong. I receive this truth. What you don't realize is you're going to swallow him and he's going to grow and grow. I want to say, if it's not disrespectful to the Lord, and I don't think it is, it's a bit like a tapeworm which you swallow and then it grows and grows and grows until it takes you over completely on the inside. And in a sense, that's what Jesus does when he comes into your life. And if you're feeling some discomfort or some, some pressure, some things happening internally, it could be that that's what's happening. The stone, Jesus Christ, is growing and growing and he's smashing into stuff that's been in your life and he's knocking it down. And he's saying, if I'm going to be here, then I'm not sharing the space with that habit. And if I'm going to be here, then I'm not sharing the space with that thought pattern. And so he's smashing stuff down in your life, cleansing you of idols. And he's growing and growing and growing to fill you. So that's the birth of Jesus into the world. Smashing empires and usurpers and thrones and pretenders. And that's the story of Jesus in your life as well. Growing and growing and growing. And so he's born as the kingdom crusher, as the usurper usurper, as the kingdom toppler, as the idol demolisher, as the pretender exposer, as the order restorer, and as the establisher of unshakability. Amen? The second thing we see in, in the book of Daniel, the second picture of Jesus, is that he's the fireproof friend. So you've got the guys that have been thrown into the fiery furnace, so hot that when the guys that throw them in come near the fiery furnace, they melt. And these guys are in the fire, and all they can smell and feel is their flesh screaming and the smell of the smoke. And then they, they're looking for each other. I imagine they kind of found each other, the three guys, and they gather. And then they grab someone else. And they're like, there was only three of us. Who is this? And they realize that there's someone with them in the fire. And we read here in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose up in haste. 
So I guess he'd been sitting and watching them in the fire. And then he leaps to his feet. And he declared to his counselors, didn't we cast three men bound into the fire? They answered to the king, true, O king. And he answered and said, but I see four men. And they're unbound, walking in the midst of the fire. And they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods or like a son of God. One of them is shiny. And so, friends, this is pointing to a time in history when this won't just be true for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but it will be true for all people who are living in the fire of pain and the difficulty of life, the, the fire of trials and tribulations and of mess and of shame and confusion. Jesus will be born into our fire. The Son of God will come and enter into our mess and be with us in the fire. This is Emmanuel, God with us. You know, the Christmas story is, is it really is more barbed wire than tinsel, right? It's Jesus born uh, under the cruel Roman Empire into a oppressed village on the edge of, on the edge of uh, civilization, really. He's born into mess and pain. Herod brings his kill teams to try and kill the babies. That are, like, it's, it's traumatic birth. It's not pretty hills with fluffy snow and fluffy sheep. You know that, right? Jesus is born into our fire to be present with us in our fire. And if you today feel like you're in a fire, if you feel like your flesh is screaming, let me out, let me out. If you feel claustrophobic and constrained and you can't really breathe, then try and open your eyes through the flames and through the smoke and look for him because I promise you, he's there. Somewhere in that fire, he's there. And grab hold of him and you'll know his presence in your fire. And friends, that's a message of Christmas, and it's something that we see here in the book of Daniel. Number three, Christ is the human hand that comes and does the writing on the wall in Daniel chapter 5. So we're going to read here, Daniel 5. Remember the evil men are sitting, having their party, and then suddenly they see a hand appear. And right on the wall. Daniel 5 5. Immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. And commentators all through history, starting with Hippolytus of Rome in the second century, so really early, have said the finger is like Christ, word become flesh to speak plainly to the Gentiles to make the will of God clear and written on the wall, even for evil men who cannot see God. And all through the Bible, you keep meeting the, this finger of God, actually. The Ten Commandments were written onto tablets of stone by the finger of God. It's, it's making God's will plain, so that people can read it and know what God wants. And so Christmas is the will of God, the word of God, taking flesh and born into our world so that we can see what God wants. Jesus is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. 
You know, the, the best strategy for maintaining the status quo is silence. So if things are messed up and you don't want them to change, say nothing, do nothing, and they won't change. Hallelujah, we don't have a God who remains silent when he sees the mess of our world. He speaks a word. He speaks a word to change the world. He speaks a revolutionary, history-transforming word, and that word's name is Jesus Christ. And he takes flesh and he dwells among us. And so in Jesus, we see the finger of God. We see what God wants, what God is saying, what God is doing. We see that in the person and the life of Jesus. Amen? And so it's wonderful. There's this time where this woman's been dragged out and accused of adultery. And they're going to stone her. And they turn to Jesus and kind of go, what does God want? And what's Jesus doing? Writing with his finger, the finger of God, in the dust. You know, dust in the Bible represents us, our mortality, our frailty. Adam was made of dust. And so we see here the divine will and insight being written into the frail dust of our human lives. And the grace of God takes the finger of God and writes his will onto our hearts. How do I know what's right and wrong? Because God writes it into my soul with the finger of God. So we look at Jesus and we see the will of God, the word of God made flesh, made clear among us. Amen? So we've done three. We've done the stone. We've done the fireproof friend, the son of God. And we've done the heavenly hand. Quickly turn to the person next to you and just say, from these three, which one is the most meaningful to you? And then we'll continue. Okay, wonderful. So let's continue. Number four. And this isn't exhaustive. There aren't only seven places in the book of Daniel where we see Jesus. You know, the, the more you read the Bible, the more you see Jesus, the more you recognize the sound of the rescue helicopter. And so, but we're just doing seven today because I like seven because it's a nice, complete, godly number. Um, number four. Jesus is the stone roller awayer. You know, one of the most famous stories of Daniel is when this 85-year-old gets thrown to the lions. And we know why the lions don't eat him. It's because there's no meat on him because he's 85 and he's all, like, skinny and withered up. And, but you've got this wonderful picture that Scott drew out so beautifully when he preached from this chapter. And I'm just going to read uh, Daniel chapter 6 and verse 17. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den... And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Verse 19, then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. So remember, please, that Daniel's name, Daniel, means God is my judge. And Daniel's innocent here and he's been wrongly accused. So he's thrown into the den of lions and he's waiting for God to vindicate the righteous, waiting for God to rescue him because he knows he hasn't done anything wrong. 
And remember, please, that in these verses we see a stone rolled over the mouth of a cave and it's sealed with the seal of the king. And Daniel's sitting in darkness, surrounded by lions that are growling, but their mouths have been closed. And he sits in darkness and he waits for God to vindicate him. And then in the early morning, he sees a crack of light appear as this stone is being rolled away. The seal's broken, the stone is removed, and the light starts to flood into his darkness. And he knows he's been vindicated and rescued and saved. And these same themes we see in the death and the burial of our Lord Jesus Christ. A stone that's rolled over his tomb. A seal of the might of Rome that's put there. Essentially saying, if anyone breaks this seal, you're in trouble, right? And yet we see someone come and break the seal who doesn't care what Rome can do because he's got more authority. The breaking of a seal, the rolling away of a stone, and the vindication of a blameless one and a resurrection from the dead. And so what we see, friends, in this Daniel in the lion's den story is a stone roller away. And Christmas is the birth of the one who has come to break the seals and roll away the stones from our mortal tombs from our death, from our darkness. And if you're sitting in darkness and without hope, and there are many who are, and you're just sitting there in the dark, and you've got growling lions around you, and you're waiting, know this. From outside, you can hear the sound of the helicopter coming. Someone's going to come and break the seal because he's got the authority. He's worthy to open the seals. Some, you're going to see a crack of light appear. You're going to see this stone rolled away. And you're going to know a vindication and a deliverance and a rescue. Hallelujah. Because God is my judge. And uh, I love actually the Wesley hymn about this where he says, Long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. And anyone under the age of 30 is looking at me like, what are you saying? (laughs) Number five, Christ is the son of man in Daniel 7, receiving a kingdom from the ancient of days. And Daniel 7, it's the center of the book of Daniel. And this really is the focal point of kind of the revelation of God in this book. And Christmas is the birth of Christ as Son of Man come to the world to represent us before God. And so Daniel 7 and 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and all nations and all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. So in the friend in the fire, we saw someone who was said to be like a son of God, and here in Daniel 7, we see one who's said to be like a son of man. And you know Jesus is both, right? He's son of God, come to represent God in our fire. And he's son of man, born to represent us 
before the throne of God, before the judge, to carry us before the Father. And Jesus, who had an earthly mother but no earthly father, is actually son of man and son of God. Hallelujah. And so he fulfills. He's like a two-way bridge, carrying us before the Father and carrying the presence of the Father down into our world. Jesus, son of God and son of man, we worship him. And um, here he comes to represent us before the throne of God. He's a representative as son of man. He's, when Daniel sees this vision, he's thinking, wow, one of us got to be up there. It's, it's the way the House of Commons is supposed to work. Your MP is a commoner like you, and he's supposed to represent your hopes and fears and desires into the House of Authority. Now, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but that's what's supposed to happen. And here, Jesus, as Son of Man, is our perfect representative, bringing the plight of mankind before the Father. Hallelujah. And Jesus, therefore, I don't know if you've noticed, but as we're going through Daniel, and we're going in order, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 5, chapter 7, we're seeing a progression in the revelation of Jesus from the stone that is born to the one who's present with us in the fire, to the one who's in the death and resurrection, and now we're at the ascension and the glorification of Christ. There's a progressive revelation in the book of Daniel that shows us the whole trajectory and story of our Lord Jesus Christ that will be worked out hundreds of years later. It's incredible. Number six, Christ is the the awakener. He's the one that wakes us up from our sleep at the end to inherit eternal life with him. And live with him forever. So Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2. And Blessing spoke on this beautifully last week. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life. And some to shame. And everlasting contempt. And so again we've got this word dust. And dust all the way through the Bible is a picture of mortality. Adam was made from dust. That's not speaking of his chemical composition. It's speaking of the fact that humans have a frailty, a mortality. We all die. And ancient people knew, because they'd observed it, when bodies die, they fall apart and they become dust. And you know, don't you, that the dust in your house is from dead people, from dead skin. And so death of bodies leads to decomposition, which leads to dust. Dust we are, and to dust we will return. And so there's a speaking here of our mortality, our frailty, our temporality. And what it says here is that those who are sleeping in the dust of death, those who are lying there and their bodies are rotting and their skin is falling off and turning into dust, will be awakened one day by someone. And one of the most beautiful pictures that we see in the life of Jesus about this is the story where he wakes a little girl up from death. Jairus's daughter. And everyone says, oh, she's dead, leave her alone. And he says, no, no, she's just sleeping. Now, Jesus isn't in denial. He knows she's dead. But for Jesus, death is as powerless as sleep. And waking someone up from death is as easy as waking someone up in the morning, except if you've got teenagers. And um, the words that Jesus says to her when he takes her by the hand and raises her, he says, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, wake up. And it's what her mum would have said to her every morning. Hey, little one, wake up. It's time for school now. It's what I say to my little ones in the morning, and they throw shoes at me and stuff. And, um, but what Jesus 
is doing here is he's showing that one day he will come to you when you're sleeping in the ground. And when, if you just look at your hand for a moment, everybody, just look at your hand. One day this flesh will have fallen off and turned into dust and you'll be sleeping in the ground and this will just be a skeleton, just a few fingers. But when Jesus comes to wake people up from sleep, he will grab your hand and he will say to you, in your heart language, Talitha Kumi, little one, it's time to wake up now. And you know, I normally hate having my sleep interrupted, but on that day, I'll be very grateful. And he'll wake me up, and I'll be with him. And the first thing they do in that story when they raise this girl from the dead is they give her something to eat. <laughs> what was it? Pizza? I don't know. And you think, that's what's going to happen to us, friends. We're going to be woken. And for those of us who've sat by the the graves of our loved ones and mourned and felt the pain and the loss of their departing. And we've sat there and we've watched. We know that one day they will be raised as well and there will be a reuniting in him. It's a beautiful thing. And so he's the awakener. And this promise here in Daniel 12 is the most explicit promise in the Old Testament about the resurrection from the dead. And it's fulfilled in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And then finally, number seven. Christ is the true exile. Um, all the way through, we've looked and we've seen Daniel is an exile. He's taken as a young child to go and live in a foreign country surrounded by enemies and darkness, and it's about resilience and perseverance and faithfulness. And Christ is the truest example of that living in a dark world, born to be amongst us, born to be surrounded by enemies, born to be betrayed. And yet he remains loyal to the Father. He remains pure. And there's a wonderful example in Christ of how to live as an exile in a foreign world when it's just you against everybody else. And um, exile, remember, is a punishment for sin. So the Jews are exiled because of their sin. And we were exiled from Eden because of our sin. And Christ here, in becoming the true exile, he bears our sin. He bears the punishment for our sin. He bears our exile in order to be able to bring us home. And I actually love the picture that Rosanna's drawn here. I think all the pictures are stunning. But this one, it's, it shows a kind of a loneliness, a sadness, um, of being surrounded by darkness, a living for eternity. And we see that most perfectly, don't we, in, in our Lord Jesus Christ, the true exile who came to show us the way, as all the testimonies that we've heard about God showing the way through today, that's ultimately what we see in the life of our Lord Jesus. So that's seven, seven little glimpses that we have in the book of Daniel that point us towards the birth and the life, and the death, and the resurrection, and the ascension, and the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, several hundred years after they were written. And so let me just summarize them, and then we're going to pray. And just think in this summary. Think for yourself. Think about your life. Think about what God is saying to you. Think about this Christmas which one of these you need Jesus to be and what God is doing. Number one is the stone. 
enters small, but starts smashing stuff that shouldn't be there and grows to fill. It speaks of the strength of God and his commitment to cleansing us from everything that should not compete with his presence. Number two, the fireproof friend, the son of God, the one who comes to be with us. And if you are in a fire, try, as though your flesh is screaming and your eyes are watering, try and look around. I promise you, he's there somewhere. Find him in the fire. Move towards him even as he moves towards you. Know his presence with you. Number three, the heavenly hand. The fingers of God writing the purposes of God into your life. You don't know what to do, but we see in Jesus what God wants. Allow him to write his will onto the walls of your life and onto the tablets of your heart. Number four, the stone roller away. The one who comes and smashes the seal and moves away the stone. Are you sitting in darkness? Are you surrounded by growling lions? Do you feel hopeless and alone and afraid? Know that he comes. Know that as surely as there's darkness, dawn will come. As surely as there's winter, spring will come. Number five, the son of man. The one who represents us before the father, just as son of God represents the father before us. The one who comes after his death and resurrection into the presence of the Ancient of Days and receives a kingdom that includes all nations and all peoples and all tribes and all languages that we have the privilege of being part of. We look at him and we go, I'm with him. He's my representative. He's my king. I'm on his team. We see his victory and his authority. It gives us confidence. It swells our chests. Amen. Number six, the awakener. Just consider that one day he will take your hand And as he raises you to life, you will be clothed with immortality, whatever that means. You'll be born into a new body, whatever that means. And we will live together with him in a new heavens and a new earth. And number seven, he's the true exile in all of these things. And in our living in a post-Christian culture in an anti-God world, we get courage and dignity and honor and faith by knowing that Jesus went first, that he bore our exile, that he will one day bring us home, and we can look to him and draw strength from his example.